Namo tassa bhagavato arato summa sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arato summa sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arato summa sambuddhasa Buddhang dhammang sanghang namasami Tonight I want to talk a bit about the role of intention in our practice. It's something that we hear quite a bit about in the suttas. The um, various kinds of intentional acts and what they mean. And, and yet there's also this question about, uh, perhaps a question about uh, you know, the force of will. Does it really, is it really possible to come to the end of a self by exerting yourself? in that way, by setting an intention, by having the, uh, the desire to progress on the path. And in a sense, it's a basic part of right view, our coming to some kind of understanding about intention and how that is working together with kama, or working in a way that is creating what the Buddha referred to as dark, dark kama, light kama or dark Kama. And for me, it also holds something of a nuanced, uh, a nuance of uh, what we can or cannot know. So what I'm thinking of when I say something like that, what occurs is something is related to the Buddha's uh, advice to the Kalamas, in which he says, don't try to analyze a spiritual tradition or discern by logic which way you should go or rely on a particular text or just say, because this person is a good speaker, then I will follow them. 
And why does he say all those things? He says all of those things, I would propose, because you can't really analyze a spiritual experience that you haven't had. So how to set an intention that actually leads to the development, the cultivation of a path that goes to a place you haven't been yet? This is what I want to explore tonight. And so as usual, I brought a couple of suttas with me <laughs> for, for some structure and also some, uh, some good guidance in this regard. And in particular, the sutta that I want to mostly talk about this evening is a sutta from the Anguttara Nikaya, so the numbered discourses in the Pali texts. And this is from the Book of Fours. There are a lot of really good ones in the Book of Fours. So the Anguttara is, is uh, divided up that way into uh, suttas that, are, that have the uh, suggestion about one thing or a teaching about one thing, and then suttas that have a teaching about two things and about three and so on, up to the elevens. And in this sutta, as the sutta, as the, the Buddha often did, at least in these um, particular discourses that are listed there, he talks about four different kinds of people. And so I want to also be clear that I don't think that when the Buddha does that, that he is suggesting that we in our minds should be uh, you know, dividing up the world into there are these kinds of people and those kinds of people and so on. This is not the intention behind it, in my opinion. I think that what the what these discourses are pointing at is various approaches to life or various approaches to practice and which ones were more fruitful or more beneficial and which ones were less so. This is what I think most of these times when the Buddha does these kinds of categorization. So we can look at that in terms of uh, you know, our own behavior, our own choices in our life, our own path in our life, and start to uh, see whether we have seen the dynamic that's being described. So in this, in this sutta, this is sutta number four, uh, from the Book of Fours, number 178. It's not a very commonly taught sutta, but it is something that... Um, is related to a course that I'm giving on the approach to Nibbana. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it in that context. And uh, the, the, the sutta is called the Jambali Sutta, Jambali. And Jambali is being translated. So I'm using Bhante Sujato's translation from Sutta Central, very handy resource. And he is Australian. And so the word that he's using for this sutta is billabong, which I thought, what is that? <laughs> Never even heard that word. What is a billabong? 
So anyway, it is, Merriam-Webster even notes that it's Australian English, <laughs> not, not commonly used in other parts of the world. And it just means a stagnant puddle or some kind of pool, some kind of like a stagnant pool, okay? So, so I'm just gonna call it the puddle sutta for today. <laughs> So we're talking about the sutta, about the puddle, and the Buddha says, there are these four kinds of people in the world. So this is one of those suttas in which we don't have a lot of the backstory. We don't know whether somebody asked a question or whether some person walked up and the Buddha felt that they were an example of one of these four categories. We don't really have a lot of backstory to it. But it's, I think it's a very, very helpful uh, sutta because it speaks to this aspect of both intention and cultivation and also some openness to uh, to the the mystery of the practice and and uh, what we might uh, experience anew so he says take a mendicant and so throughout it's talking about mendicants but i am going to use the word practitioner for that just so that we understand that um, there are committed practitioners who would also uh, be like this so he says take a practitioner who enters and remains in a peaceful release of the heart santang cheto vimuting peaceful release of the heart. It's a beautiful phrase. Huh? So he's talking about meditation, right? He's talking about a meditative state of feeling some peace and some letting go. Peaceful release of the heart. Okay? Now we might make some suppositions about whether this meant one particular kind of meditation or another, but the sutta isn't clear, and I don't think that it's necessary or beneficial, actually, to say that. We can just relate to the quality of mind that he's talking about here. Okay? So one abides in this peaceful release of the heart. And I'm going to say more about what if you're not abiding in that in a minute, but we'll start with this for now. And they focus on the cessation of identification. So there are two kinds of cultivation that the Buddha is speaking about in this sutta. So the Buddha speaks about the cessation of identification uh, first, and then he speaks about the, the smashing of ignorance or the shattering of ignorance or the breaking apart of ignorance. These are the two, two kinds of cultivation that he's describing. And he says, so someone, there, there might be someone who is sitting in this kind of peaceful state of having let go of the heart-mind. So, so uh, I should also say, Sujato likes to translate this word uh, chitta, or in this case, ceto vimunti, means that that ceto part is the mind, the chitta. He likes to translate it as heart, oftentimes. I think, you know, different People have different preferences about it. It basically means uh, it's a generalized word for all cognition, you could say, all mental qualities, experiences. And um, for me, when we say the heart, 
it sounds like the emotive side of our lives. Whereas chitta isn't just that. Right? Chitta would include everything, including analysis, debate, confusion, any number of other mental qualities that aren't emotive, particularly. So for me, I like to translate that word as mind, more generally as mind, so that, because to me that feels like the larger of the two. And I think that that's a good way for us to begin to relate to the mind. And that's part of the metaphor that's being offered here with the puddle. So I get, I, I promise to say more about that, but so, so they're, they're focused on, this person is sitting with a peaceful release of the heart and is focused on the cessation of identification. And it's Sakaya Nirodang, Sakaya Nirodang. And so this is specific, this is a very technical term. It's specifically relating to the first stage of awakening. So the first stage of awakening is Sotapanna, usually translated as stream enterer. And there are three fetters that drop off at the point of stream entry, and one of them is this, Sakaya Diti. It is the Diti is view, or you could say the identification, the view of identification specifically, with what? With body and mind, right? With the five aggregates. So he says, okay, so the Buddha is talking about someone in this peaceful, letting go state of meditation who's focused on the cessation of clinging to, identification with, finding a self in the five aggregates. That's what they're focused on. But their mind is not eager, confident, settled, and decided about it. And this is the turning, right? This is the key right here. Eager, confident, settled, and decided about it. And interestingly, I won't go too much into the vocabulary, but interestingly, none of those words is sadha, is faith, or trust. It's not any of that. It's, he's not talking about faith here. Hmm? So eager, confident, settled, and decided, they're not. And therefore, you wouldn't expect that person to stop identifying. Even though they're focused on it, even though they have enough peace of mind and spaciousness of mind and some degree of letting go, that, that unlocking or that insight isn't likely to happen. So interesting, huh? And then he goes on to say, but in the same way, one who establishes this peaceful release of the mind and is focused on non-identification, will, and is eager, confident, settled, and decided about it, you would expect that person will stop identifying. So these qualities will aid in that cultivation. He's making a very dry statement that that's how it works. And similarly, he goes on about the 
smashing, the quote unquote smashing of ignorance. And this is, it's kind of interesting that, that uh, Bantu Sujata is using this word smashing because it's quite, it, it's really capturing the nuance of the Pali there. The Pali is, is uh, it's avija pabedang, and this pabedang part, it means to break something or to split it open or something like that. So I like to think of it as like shattering ignorance. Similarly, the same thing. So a person who is able to experience a peaceful release of the heart is focused on shattering ignorance, but is not feeling eager, confident, settled, and decided about it, is not likely to be able to do that. Whereas if they are feeling eager, confident, settled, and decided about it, then you would expect them to be able to accomplish that, to shatter ignorance, to attain the insights that would unlock ignorance. And as I promised, I'm not going to go too, too much into the vocabulary, but there is one of these words that I want to say a little bit more about, and that's this word that Sujato is translating as decided. And it's, it's nadimuchati. And nadimuchati means literally sort of like to set one's heart on something. So that was the title of the talk, or at least that's what I tweeted, was the title of today's talk. To set your heart on the end of ignorance. To set your heart on the end of the mistaken view of self. So to be, to be, to make that commitment to yourself is what the Buddha is asking us to do. To make that commitment to your own way of discovering the truth of these five aggregates as they really are. And as I've said many times before, the teaching of the Dhamma is about telling us, helping us to discover the, the characteristics of reality that are right here present in our own lives, and yet we're not ready to experience them yet. We're still working on opening our hearts and minds to that. So that is also where the eagerness comes in. So there is a sense of, for me, this, this word, this, this eagerness, um, which again, which, which is using this word that literally means to jump forward or to jump onto something, right? Get on the <laughs> Dhamma bandwagon, so to speak, right? This eagerness is, is, uh, is like that. It's like 
leaning into the curiosity. Ah, how is it really? That's what I'm committed to. That's what I'm decided about. Right? When you're on the path, you are saying, that's what I'm committed to. I'm committed to leaning into making my best effort at unlocking the reality of what's actually here. And that reality will be seen if we are able to uh, both find that peace and that letting go, right? So this is, I think this, when he talks about the peaceful release of the heart, it's also a hint there, right? There's some settling, but there's also this, this letting go, and this letting go, I would suggest, has an active component as well. It has a passive component, but it has an active component as well. So, so the metaphor, and this is where the puddle comes in, okay? <laughs> the metaphor is, is about the billabong, right? About the puddle. And he says here, at the, toward the end. So one who enters and remains in this peaceful release of the heart, and they are focused on shattering ignorance, and their mind is eager and confident and settled and decided about it. They are ready, they've made that commitment. You would expect that mendicant to smash ignorance or to shatter ignorance. And he says, it's like there was a, a puddle that had been stagnant for many years. And someone was to open up the inlets and close off the drains. And the heavens would provide plenty of rain. And you would expect that puddle to break its banks. In the same way that person would shatter ignorance. And it's a beautiful metaphor, right? It's a beautiful metaphor because it, what is he implying? He's saying, go beyond the constraints. To, to go beyond the banks of this puddle. Right? Not by drawing it all up and becoming some little, you know, dried up patch of land. No, by this great abundance. By this great abundance of understanding how this body and mind is actually a process that's integral to the whole of reality. That is to go beyond the banks of your puddle. So the, the, the willingness, the commitment to it, the intention is key, just as key as being willing to settle down and have a look at what's here. Right?
But what keeps it from being a kind of intention that strengthens the sense of self, strengthens the, the banks of the puddle, strengthens the sense of separation, what keeps it from being that is that it's a commitment to this opening, this discovery on the path. It's this commitment to relinquishing our mistaken views, getting real about our lives. Rather than trying to prove what we think is already right. Do you see the difference that I'm making here? Rather than trying to defend our little puddle, <laughs> we want to go beyond that. So if, so, so uh, there is this eagerness, this confidence, this having made the decision, having made the commitment, and then there is this peaceful release of the mind. So how do we find the peaceful release of the mind? I would suggest that it comes by not, not uh, struggling with the mind that you have in this moment. Right. And this is something that takes some time, not struggling with the mind and the body of this moment. Right? Sometimes you can sit down. Somebody said uh, to me a while back that they would sit down and then they would start to feel a lot of tension. And maybe that tension was already there, or maybe that tension is because there's this feeling of, you know, I need to get it right. And I remember Shosan, Victoria Austin, when I first came to San Francisco Zen Center, and I, would, I was very much that. I want to get it right. And she, <laughs> and she would say, well, that wanting to get it right isn't going to help you really, <laughs> actually. <laughs> That's not really going to help you. So, so again, this discernment, this discernment between, between wanting it to look like what we want it to look like and, and wanting to actually be committed to the path of being with what is and not struggling with what is and learning why what is works how it works. And when that happens, then those things will fall away. They will, because when you see the process nature, you cannot hold on anymore. You simply can't. It doesn't make sense anymore. But until that point, it's a puddle, right? It's not a process. It's a puddle. So you need to keep working with that. 
process nature of things. So I, um, that's pretty much what I wanted to say today. I will hope that you, um, that you experience this feeling of confidence in your own practice and commitment in your own practice and being decided about being on the path and that you do whatever it takes to get the supports to help that happen, whether that means asking questions or reading a book or going on retreat or just sitting and examining what's happening for you. Maybe talking to someone about your practice. Whatever it is, the supports, the supports are important. We don't know what, none of us does this path on our own. So, May the Dharma rain fall greatly on your puddle. <laughs> and yes, and I hope that you uh, that you make that make that decision for yourself. Make that decision. Because it truly is, it truly is the um, the way to that peaceful release of the heart and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.